this idea of probation reform. Probation reform. In terms of the like, money being spent that some have to spend in order to be in probation, private um, industries taking over with the local... Oh, absolutely. I mean, we can name we can name it. We can right. say, you know, Geo Group is probably one of the largest, you know, private companies that have invested money and resources to incarcerate our communities. I think the scary part is that right when we we name that we call that the prison industrial complex. We're also seeing these private industries like Geo infiltrating into our reentry services. So we're also seeing our reentry services being monopolized by private industries. We also, you know, are hearing about public defenders and fees attached to utilizing the public defender system when that was in place for people who were not able to or not able to afford defense. We also see a lot of our reform monies going into the pockets of law enforcement and not where it was intended to community and the community groups who do the advocacy for our reentry communities. We're also fighting for bail reform. Bail reform was initially created so that it was risk-based, not money-based or wealth-based. And yet, the majority of the people who are incarcerated in our jails, more than half have not been convicted yet, and they're in there because they don't have the money to get out. So we see inequality, I think, in different arenas, not just based on what someone may look like, but also how much money someone may have in their pockets. When I think about criminal justice reform, I'm so tired of talking to the choir. How do we get our conversation beyond the choir and and to the people who may, you know, disregard what we have to say, minimize what we have to say? And I think maybe that's where we need to think about more. Maybe. Yeah, but you know what? It, that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like in our race symposium, and I remember that day. I you know we were dancing around it. It's called a race symposium, and we were dancing around it. And you know, at the time I was just an adjunct faculty member. I'm like I'm just you know I'm sort of pseudo invited to the party. I kind of crashed. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore, and I said, "Excuse me, can we just stop for a minute? We're talking about racist white men, right? Is that what we're talking about? Be- because we're we're saying I need to get the right people. Who are the right people in the room? If this is the choir." then, you know, who are the sinners? If these are the saints, where are the sinners, right? I work with a population, I would say it's an unpopular population, people who are incarcerated, people don't care. I can talk about, oh, you know, the conditions are horrible. They don't care. Because they deserve to be there. Because they deserve to be there, or because we have a stereotype that everyone who's incarcerated is guilty. Everyone who's incarcerated had committed, you know, murder, or whatever the case might be. We have people who are in there because of drug offenses, because they had mental health needs, you know, dual diagnosis. This is an area that we as social workers should be familiar with, right? But they're inside jail. And, you know, and, and the thing that we like to use is, you know, no one gets well, you know, in, in a cell, mm-hmm. right? This So the project that I direct, our jails project, we have been monitoring the largest jail system in the country. There's 17,000 people who are incarcerated in there. We've been monitoring this jail system for over 40 years. And because of, you know, when we think about the system and we, and we dissect the system, right, it's, it's created because of racism. It's modern, you know, modern day slavery. I mean, there is a prison strike that's happening, a national right. prison strike, right, that is happening. And um, we have 17 states who are participating. Those 17 states, they were later named because of retaliation, hmm. right? The people who are participating didn't want to get retaliated for standing up against, you know, conditions inside prisons and in jails. And, 
you know, taking this back locally, this was an issue when I start, I have been with the ACLU now almost eight years, and this has been the issue that I've always worked with. This is, this is an area that people didn't want to talk about or write about. We had, we didn't have influencers who are willing to write, be a accomplice, you know, in the fight against mass incarceration, but it took a lot of different strategies. It actually took civilian eyewitnesses to attest that yes, abuse is occurring inside the jail, not the voices of the people who were being victimized by custody staff. People getting beaten up inside the jails, we know this, right? We know that it happens, and yet we're easily, we dismiss this because we think you're criminals, you deserve right. this, or whatever the case might be, or no, 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 police officers would never do that, right? But it took, it took the voices of civilian eyewitnesses who, you know, chaplains, jail monitors, whatever, to say, I witnessed abuse inside the jails. And then people were like, oh my gosh, abuse inside the jail exists. I would love to bring people from inside the jails and have them come to this podcast and talk about what's happened to them. Because of, but because of our system, they can't do that. And so in many ways, you know, what I do is to talk about what is happening to them. The reports that we write, the narratives that we write, the declarations that we write, those are all, you know, we talk about what has happened to them so that more people are aware of it. And this is why we have a runoff with a sheriff election. And that's like unprecedented. It's the incumbent that stays in and because there's no, you know, term limit, they're in there. A lot of people don't even know that the sheriff is an elected official. But we have a runoff here in LA. This is twice now. You know, we got rid of Baca, former <laughs> Sheriff Baca, right? <laughs> well, Baca got rid of Baca. Baca got rid of Baca. Got rid of Baca. But it was a system. It was a system that were in place that kept him there, right? Right. The Blue Brotherhood, and you know, and and whatever the case might be. But it was because of the people, the marches, right. the influencers that we were able to get rid of them. And so, candidates who were running for sheriff were talking about a progressive platform, but Powers influencers. Power of the movement and utilizing influencers in a strategic way so that they are not always leading. Again, you. these are just different functionalities that people have. 